This is Cultivating Place, conversations on natural history and the human impulse to garden. From North State Public Radio in Northern California, I'm Jennifer Jewell. I'm going to wager that you agree with me on this. When you meet a garden of both meaning and beauty, you know it. When you meet a landscape that speaks to the layered evolution and history of this planet, your entire sympathetic nervous system lets you know. Whether you could articulate that or not, you know when you enter a gardener's garden. And you know when it's a garden or landscape of spirit. To walk into the Abiquiu, New Mexico home and garden of innovative and groundbreaking 20th century American artist Georgia O'Keeffe is to walk into just such a space, interconnected to an iconic and sacred landscape that stretches as far as the eye can see. It's both open and enclosed. It's rich and spare. It's colorful and monochromatic. It's productive and contemplative. On a cool, sunny morning in late November, I had the honor of speaking with Agapita Judy Lopez, also known as Pita, who's the Director of Historic Properties for the Georgia O'Keeffe Museum in Georgia O'Keeffe's white, open studio with wide windows overlooking the iconic red clay hills and sagebrush slopes. Sites familiar to you if you've seen O'Keeffe's landscape paintings. Peta and I sat as well in Miss O'Keeffe's small and tidy functional kitchen, with potted pelargoniums lining the windowsill, looking out to Miss O'Keeffe's applesauce-producing apple tree. Imagine while you listen, sitting there with us. We explore the history of the inspiration, of the relief and rest, and of the nourishment the gardens and landscapes played to O'Keeffe's art, to her well-being, and to her sense of self. My name is Agapita Judy Lopez. I am the director of Abiquiu Historic Properties for the Georgia O'Keeffe Museum. And describe uh, the role of the museum and its current different elements so that then we'll narrow down to the Abiquiu space. Well, the museum is located in Santa Fe at 21 Johnson Street. Uh, it is a part of a full campus uh, with a research center on Grant Street. And the Miss O'Keeffe's Abiquiu properties, both in Abiquiu and at Ghost Ranch, which she bought in 1940, are also part of the museum's campuses. And so the museum in downtown um, Santa Fe has a great deal of her art holdings and does quite a bit of research into her as an artist. The Abiquiu property and the Ghost Ranch property really kind of preserve and display what her, what her everyday life was like when she lived here. Well, the museum has the ability to work many aspects of George O'Keeffe, but also with modern art. Mm -hmm. As you can see, uh, or, or have looked at photographs of Miss O'Keeffe's lifestyle and house, she was very modern. Yeah. And so modernism is also on the museum's agenda. But you're right, the museum is able to provide 
anyone interested with the research material at the research center, uh, her artwork, uh, personal objects that uh, she owned and collected throughout the years. We, the museum has had wonderful donors that have been able to provide them for that. The museum is still a fairly new institution. Uh, prior to the museum, uh, the George O'Keefe Foundation took care of the property. They closed in 2006 when they gave the Abbey Q home uh, and the remainder assets of George O'Keefe's to the museum. And prior to that, of course, was her estate. And George O'Keefe herself died in 1986. Her properties are two separate properties that are about 13 miles apart. Her ghost ranch home was purchased by her in 1940. It was the former ghost ranch owner's home, along with about 10 acres. The full ranch is probably a little over 22,000 acres. Wow. Most people, when they talk about Ghost Ranch, think Miss O'Keefe owned the entire ranch. Right. And that's not accurate. And most of her landscape work is out there. Um, her Abiquiu home was purchased years later in 1949, but in her own writings, she states that it took her 10 years to buy the property, three more years to fix it so she could live in it, and after that, uh, what she really bought the house for was a patio door, and she painted that many times. But she would definitely say that her number two reason for the Abiquiu house were the gardens. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, let me let me reconfirm a little bit of that. So, the Georgia O'Keeffe Museum in Santa Fe was always its own institution, and then all of these different Georgia O'Keeffe elements were consolidated with the museum when the foundation closed and that's when the two so did the georgia o'keefe foundation own both the abiquiu home and the ghost ranch home of georgia o'keefe no the foundation only owned the abiquiu home okay. the ghost ranch home was privately owned that was actually given to the museum uh, in 2005 by the Burnett Foundation. Okay. And then the museum, the foundation followed suit, and in 2006, when they closed, gave the Abiquiu House to the museum. And at that point, it was one of the few institutions that actually owned properties belonging to the artists they represented. Right, which is so, ch that's a beautiful, um, I didn't understand that part of the history in terms of all of these different elements of her all finally coming together, which must be wonderful for you as the director of the historic properties to feel like there's a kind of continuous and consistent vision for what's being done at each one and the sense of her being maintained. Exactly, and it's mostly uh, viable for our visitors mm -hmm. because they get the full experience. Mm -hmm. They not only understand her artwork better by visiting her house, but also vice versa. They get an understanding of her house by looking at her artwork. Yeah. So it's really, you know, 180 degrees of George O'Keefe where you get all the aspects of her life. 
At this time, we do not have her ghost ranch home open to the public, but we hope to do that sometime in the future. But you're able to go and visit the landscape that Miss O'Keefe painted. Yeah. It's still just the same way she saw it. The red hills, the yellow cliffs, the Pedernal Mountain that she once was known to have said that God had told her if she painted it enough, it was hers. <laughs> that was her front yard. Right. And um, it's still all visible the way she saw it. It's, it's still untamed. It's beautiful. And for people who have never been to the Abiquiu area, it I have been coming now for about 17 years, based on the age of my oldest child when I first came. <laughs> um, and you literally drive around and say, oh, that's a painting. Oh, that's a painting. And you, the close-ups that she did, as well as the bigger landscapes, you really get a much better understanding of why she's the mother of modernism when you see those in terms of the way they are translated from the reality of these things, these views, these plants, these shells, into her view of them. It's pretty remarkable. It is extremely remarkable. And the landscape is there. It may seem so abstract. Take, for example, a view of US 84 from her Abiquiu house. It's the highway that runs through Abiquiu. A painting that she created in the 60s, Wrote Past the View, just shows it almost like a calligraphy. But when you come and you see it, the shape is the shape of the highway yeah. right beneath her bedroom window. Yeah. So it's wonderful that she translates these beautiful landscapes or the the sunlight um, into what uh, she puts on her canvases. Yeah. Talk about your history with uh, Miss O'Keefe and how you came to be working with her um, in person. It, it must be a pretty wonderful part of your life, I'm guessing. It was an extremely wonderful part, and I learned very much from her. I have been here for many, many years. Uh, I started working with her in 1974. By this time, Ms. O'Keefe had just turned 87 and had decided that she didn't want to be in the house by herself. She didn't have staff evenings and weekends and had started to lose her central vision to macular degeneration. So she hired several young ladies to work with her during these off hours. And she knew a little bit about me. Uh, my grandfather had been her gardener uh, since the 1950s. And my mother was currently at that time working as her housekeeper and cook. And uh, she asked if I was available. I was going to school at the time. And I thought, well, weekends and nights, it's not a bad thing. And we did many things for her. She liked people that did a variety of jobs. So we would read to her because of her vision. We would prepare simple meals. We'd take walks with her, work on correspondence. Anything she asked you to do, you did. Right. I became her secretary in 1978 until she died in March of 1986. She'd moved to Santa Fe by then in the fall of 84. Uh, just to 
be closer to medical facilities in case she needed them. She died at the age of 98. Then I worked for her estate, took three years to settle. Uh, the George O'Keefe Foundation was formed through the settlement of the estate in 1989. And I worked for them until they closed in 2006. So I actually, if you add it up, I've been here over 40 years. Yeah, yeah. And you have a deep connection to the gardens, which is pretty, pretty astounding to me. Yeah. The garden was, was a big connection, and it was something viable for Miss O'Keefe. She loved fresh fruits and vegetables and was into nutrition, organic gardening before it was the norm. As a companion, which we called ourselves in those early years, we were not as involved in the garden as I am today. We would constantly be there picking fresh fruits and vegetables for her meals. Right. Um, that was probably the extent of it, uh, tea for uh, preparation of her tea and uh, desserts and things like that. But... I grew to understand uh, historic gardening from my grandfather. Uh, flood irrigation, um, the property came with its own water rights. Yeah. And so uh, she became part of the local irrigation system. And of course, like uh, in some communities, there's a Meyer Domo who manages who gets the water when and for how long. And Miss O'Keefe always irrigated on first thing Monday mornings for three hours. And it was a, a enough time to irrigate her one-plus-acre garden yeah. that included her flowers, her orchard, and her vegetable garden. I'm Jennifer Jewell, and this is Cultivating Place. Georgia O'Keeffe was born on November 15, 1887. Throughout her life, she lived in and enjoyed many landscapes. Wisconsin in the Midwest, Virginia and the Southeast, Chicago, Illinois, and Amarillo, Texas, New York City, and upstate New York at Lake George, with her husband, the famed photographer Alfred Stieglitz. But it was when she traveled to New Mexico, first in 1929, and ultimately decided to put down roots there, that she truly seemed to find her spirit home, as an artist, thinker, nature lover, person, and gardener. We'll be back after a break to hear more of my conversation with Pita Lopez, who worked with Georgia O'Keeffe in her home and garden for the last decade of Miss O'Keeffe's life. And Pita has worked to preserve O'Keeffe's legacy ever since. Stay with us. Hey, it's Jennifer. So happy to be here with you, thinking about the milestones of this past year and looking forward to the new year. When I heard that I'd be able to sit down and speak in person with Pita Lopez about Georgia O'Keeffe's home and garden while actually sitting in and walking around the space itself, I was so happy to think about sharing it with you. It's a place that for me is full of spirit. I walk into it and the energy there is palpable to me. The sculpted fragrant artemisias in the patio, the long rows of cultivated crops in the flood-irrigated walled vegetable garden. I'm not sure what gives a place spirit, or as it's known, genius loci, but you know it when you feel it, right? What spaces hold this spirit for you? Public gardens, national parks or monuments, your grandparents' or your parents' gardens. I'd love to hear and to see 
Make sure to follow Cultivating Place on Instagram and Facebook to stay in touch and let me hear from you. After all, the whole point of Cultivating Place is to have conversations about these things that we love and that connect us. Together, we gardeners make a difference for the better in this world. Now back to our conversation with PETA. This is Cultivating Place, conversations on natural history and the human impulse to garden. We're back after a break to hear more of my conversation in person with Pita Lopez, Director of Historic Properties for the Georgia O'Keeffe Museum based in Santa Fe. We're speaking specifically about the artist's relationship to her Abiquiu, New Mexico home and adobe walled garden. Welcome back. Describe for people who haven't seen it in person the 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 two different garden spaces including the the patios and courtyards of first ghost ranch and then let's talk about abiquiu uh a garden at ghost ranch was not viable to miss o'keefe that was one of the reasons she was interested in the abiquiu house uh, the water is extremely hard. The soil has a lot of clay. But there's a lot of flora and fauna that you see out there. Uh, but there's wild sage. Uh, there's wild grasses, uh, junipers. Uh, she took some tamarisk uh, that grew here in Abiquiu to her ghost ranch house. And what uh, the views out of the her home and the surrounding area was really anything that grew wild. Yeah, it was. It was of, all natural. Yeah, it was her natural state. While the Abiquiu House was a more established garden. Garden, garden, a garden, cultivated garden. Exactly, yeah. in those uh, one plus acre uh, space uh, that we call the garden to the south of the house, is uh, the first area is a small flower garden with rose bushes, daylilies, poppies, bleeding hearts, hollyhocks, lilacs, um, quite a few of the works she painted. But one time I remember her telling me that um, for the first two years after she moved here in 1949, she said, I planted all the flowers I painted. And then with a pause would say, but many of them didn't grow in Abiquiu, so after a while I stopped trying. <laughs> and you know, you mentioned earlier the fact that she had irrigation. I think that people who don't live in a very dry landscape don't understand the magnitude of the importance of that. This house having maintained, it's, it's a historic house. It was originally, aspects of it are thought to have been originally built in the Early 1700s, 1720s? About the mid 1700s, okay. about 1744. And, but our, our adjudication for the ditch goes far back as uh, I think it was 17, 1720s. Yeah. So our irrigation system goes far back. And water is very precious, especially wow. to our area that can turn very arid. But, uh, and Miss O'Keefe was fully aware of that and uh, working in researching the property and other things. We also find that when she purchased the property from the Catholic Church in 1949, she made sure that there was documentation that the property came with irrigation rights. Yeah. 
So she herself even knew at the time that water was precious and it was something that was as important to her having the house and her garden as it was to her lifestyle. Yeah. The Abiquiu house has the almost one acre uh, adobe wall enclosed garden space and that has the flower garden and the vegetable garden and uh, a, quite a bit of her orchard trees are there as well. What kind of vegetables and orchard trees did she have at that time? Well, she grew everything she needed uh, for her household out of the garden. Mm. Uh, lettuces for her salads, varieties of squash, tomatoes, broccoli, chard. She loved corn on the cob, so she'd have a large corn patch. I remember peas were being planted as early as February. And because of these tall walled garden that she has, actually her garden was flourishing a lot earlier than most gardens. Mm. I think the adobe walls were permeating the heat from the sun yeah. and allowing her garden to flourish a little bit earlier than most. Uh, but she would also plant chili. She, she did enjoy uh, green chili, but liked it a medium mild. And she'd always <laughs> talk about not growing enough chili to uh, eat for the s summer months or to put away for the winter months. And so she'd always buy some. She used to tell me that there was a trick to growing green chili. She'd say, if you keep it too wet, it's too mild. And if you let it get dry, it's too hot. <laughs> and she liked it medium. <laughs> That's great. And then Monday irrigation clearly got her to where she wanted it. Exactly. Uh, but always bought some from a neighbor because she never grew enough. Uh, there's a variety of fruit, different types of apples, pears, peaches, plums, apricots. We even have a mission fig that's at the garden. And that, we understand, along with the mulberry tree, were already at the house when she bought it in 1949. Yeah. And there's correspondence that indicates the mission fig was planted in the early 1900s by the former family. Wow. I know originally when she finally got the Catholic Church to agree to sell her the property, and I, I think, as I recall, it, she bought it for $500 and a $2,500 donation. And she We actually just found out uh, through correspondence that it was $3,500 donation. Oh, okay. <laughs> but she was a smart businesswoman. Mm. She knew the sale price wasn't tax deductible, yeah. but the contribution would be. Right. It's very smart. And so at that time, she was working on a big exhibition in New York and so her friend agreed to sort of oversee the original restoration and renovation and and she started really in the garden to some extent I think you were saying and so what would have been some of the the first things that Maria would have done to restore the garden and then at what point was Miss O'Keefe in charge of, or did she, you know, what kind of level of activity did she involve herself in, in terms of planning and planting each year? I know. Well, of course, during the renovation of the house between 1946 and 49, Miss O'Keefe herself was settling her husband's estate, Alfred Stieglitz, in New York. Mm -hmm. So through correspondence, Ms. Chabot, uh, Maria, and Ms. O'Keefe were working on getting the house 
prepared, uh, rebuilt, and definitely our understanding through the correspondence is the first thing they did was start working on the garden, uh, getting the irrigation system settled, uh, making sure that the soil had the right nutrients uh, to plant things. There's correspondence where Maria mentions to Miss O'Keefe certain plants that she'd ordered from different nurseries or different catalogs and how things were going in certain places, uh, even the, to the extent where the tamarisk trees were being planted on the west wall to keep the view from the general store at the time uh, away from Miss O'Keefe's view yeah. from the garden. And uh, so all these things were detailed in there. And Maria did, in this three years, rebuild a house and the garden, uh, which Miss O'Keefe utilized. Uh, she, Ghost Ranch was her summer home, Abiquiu was her winter home. Yes. So the fresh produce would be taken to her at the ranch and everything else was here in Abiquiu being canned, frozen, or dried, so she could use it from season to season. Your grandfather was her gardener, but it seems from some of the research I've done that she was very active in the garden herself. Being out there harvesting, checking, walking daily, um, it seemed it seems, and I think I want to believe, so I'm checking with you, um, that she was a gardener herself in, in several aspects, both physically, but also kind of emotionally connected to the place. Oh, definitely. We have a lot of photographs of Masoki working in the garden, the gray barber. Uh, there's one where she's trying to, uh, she, she once says she was trying to uh, get lettuce to grow and it's almost like a, a little box that she developed to get that lettuce to grow. Oh, it was like a little cold frame, I think. Exactly. Yeah, it's beautiful. I don't know early on exactly how things were grown. I know she and my grandfather sort of compromised at times. <laughs> he, he died before she did. And what was his name? His name was a Stephen Suazo. And uh, when he passed away, uh, she would say, you know, every year before the garden would get planted, your grandfather and I would get into these battles about where things were going to grow. Or, and she'd say, for a day or two, he'd yell at me in Spanish, and I'd yell back in English. <laughs> but whatever they did, they must have compromised because the gardens were always lush. And they worked together in them for a long time. They worked in them for a long time. He passed away in 1981. And, uh, and and she did. She enjoyed working in the garden. In fact, someone uh, recalled one time uh, reading somewhere that uh, she had said that she was glad to be going to the ghost ranch in the summer because if she stayed in Abiquiu, she'd want to work more in the garden than actually create <laughs> her paintings. And so that's the extent that she really enjoyed the garden. When I started working here, Miss O'Keefe was going up to the ranch, and her youngest sister, Claudia O'Keefe, would come from Los Angeles. Part of Claudia's stay in Abiquiu was to oversee the garden. Oh. I know she ordered plants that would go into the garden, and uh, whether she created the plants, I'm not sure 
how much how much my grandfather would allow that <laughs> but uh but things she would go out there and and view what was going on and even in the later years after miss o'keefe lost uh was losing her central vision to macular degeneration she had the paths that you see between the two plots the two rectangular plots uh, in the vegetable area built up so that she could walk out to the garden unassisted she was extremely independent and uh, because they were stark white as compared to the greenery of the vegetation she knew she wasn't stepping on anything. Right. But it gave her the ability to go out to the garden and just be there yeah. and look at things in her own way. She still had great peripheral vision, so it wasn't like she couldn't see. Right. One of the things that's striking about both houses and landscapes is that while we use the word garden specifically in relationship to her production garden of the vegetables and the cut flowers and... Um, the orchard trees, all of her interior spaces, she had windows redone for both light inside and views outside. And she had interior courtyards and like the roofless room. And while they aren't a vegetable garden, they are very much gardens. Oh, definitely. She liked to bring the outside in. Yeah. And, uh, for example, there is a room called the roofless room. It was an actual room in the old house that she did not roof. Uh, The support beams are in there, but you get natural light and open space. And she would have plants out there. Her geraniums would go out there in the summer. Maybe her jade, one of her jade trees. Uh, Across from her kitchen is a beautiful little area that used to house the old corrals in the former household that also uh, the irrigation water flows through. Uh, she had a beautiful apple tree in the center of that that made wonderful apple juice. Yeah. But there's a lacy vine and there's tamarisk trees. Uh, she was inspired very much by oriental art and philosophy. And so the junipers in that area are pruned in the bonsai style. She has wild sage all around her abiquiu house in the courtyard for the black door that she painted very often. And the reason she bought the house for is a wonderful, huge uh, tree now. Yeah, it's that Artemisia, which I'm guessing is Artemisia mm-hmm. tridentata, which we call wild sage. And to see in the research and the books the starting of that artemisia from a little you know leafy plant into the sort of larger unkempt plant and then and maybe it was after that visit to japan where she started to have the courtyards raked and that artemisia never seen one like this before is probably almost five feet tall exactly at least seven feet wide and it's very much pruned in this bonsai um, feeling and it is it is a remarkable piece of living sculpture in that courtyard. Exactly, and and others uh, going toward her studio and around her house are not as large as that one, but they're also pruned uh, per her instructions yeah. at the time in that same style that we continue to do so today. 
I'm Jennifer Jewell, and this is Cultivating Place. Georgia O'Keeffe once wrote to a friend about her abacue house and garden, which she spent 10 years trying to buy from the Catholic Church. She wrote, This house is just another of the odd things I've done in my life. It even has a garden, all walled in, and it has surprised me to feel what a warming difference it can make in one's life. O'Keefe is said to have seen and fallen in love with her abacue house and garden in the 1930s, while already coming to the area and staying long periods of time at her ghost ranch property. She fell in love first with the historic adobe wall surrounding the garden and helping to enclose some of the interior patios. It was a double wooden door in the wall of one of these interior patios that caught and held her attention throughout her 48-year relationship with the garden. Once the Catholic Church finally agreed to sell the rundown building and its grounds with water and irrigation rights to O'Keefe in 1945, it would take another four years before she was settled permanently in New Mexico, at which time she alternated between her abacue house and garden and her ghost ranch property. Between learning she would own the Abiquiu property she dreamed of in 1945 and finally residing there in 1949, she became the first woman to be honored with a career retrospective at the Museum of Modern Art in mid-1946. Her husband died in July of 1946, and she spent the next few years settling his estate and managing retrospective exhibits of his work. All this while, O'Keefe's friend, Marie Chabot, oversaw the renovation of the Abiquiu House and Garden, and the two women communicated about the planning and work progress regularly. By June of 1949, O'Keefe was a permanent resident of New Mexico, where she would spend the rest of her life. She died in 1986. We'll be back after a break to hear more about this iconic woman, her art, and her garden with Agapita Judy Lopez, O'Keefe's companion, secretary, and now the director of historic properties for the Georgia O'Keefe Museum. Stay with us. I don't know about you, but I'm so enjoying re-listening to this conversation with Peter Lopez. We started our conversation sitting in Georgia O'Keeffe's studio itself, which was amazing, right? I'm sitting in Georgia O'Keeffe's studio with its windows that she specifically expanded for more light and a bigger view, looking out over the Chama River Valley, its ribbon of cottonwood bosquet along the river, its red and white hills dotted with pinyon, sage, choya cactus, juniper, and native grasses. We ended our conversation sitting at Miss O'Keefe's simple white wooden kitchen table pots of pelargoniums, and handfuls of the artist's collected rocks, which line almost every flat surface in her home and garden, lined this kitchen window too. They were gathering sunlight. Two large potted jade plants greened the interior of the room, between the kitchen and the roofless room that Peta tells us about. I could imagine Georgia O'Keeffe fixing her garden-to-kitchen salads, her soups, her herb teas there, while also absorbing the light and the view. It was very powerful and peaceful to be there with Peta, which is among the things I love most about this program, the energetic connections we offer to one another, 
all of us gardeners and plant folk, no matter how we might manifest that out there in and around the world, we're everywhere. And our human impulse to garden is important. It makes a difference to our mindsets, to our families, to our communities, and to our environments. If you and I haven't connected yet, follow the program on Instagram and Facebook. Be in touch. After all, the whole point of Cultivating Place is to have conversations about these things we love. Now back to our conversation with PETA. This is Cultivating Place, conversations on natural history and the human impulse to garden. We're back after a break to hear more of my conversation with Pita Lopez, Director of Historic Properties for the Georgia O'Keeffe Museum in Santa Fe, which owns the artists' Abiquiu and Ghost Ranch homes and gardens. Preservation of the historic adobe property in Abiquiu has been the charge of Pita Lopez and her family for three generations. Her grandfather was O'Keeffe's gardener. Her mother cooked and kept house, and she and her brother both worked with O'Keeffe and continue to work for the Georgia O'Keeffe Museum. She clearly loved the garden. There was this wonderful interplay that you can see between her artwork and her views of this surrounding landscape, her views of her garden, her life with her garden. Um, and they, they clearly sort of, there was a, a cross-pollination between her art and these outdoor landscapes. She dies in 1986, and you are now the director of historic properties for the Georgia O'Keeffe Museum. The garden has a whole new life. Talk about what the garden's doing now, and um, and and yeah, just talk about what's happening in the gardens now. Well, our gardener today is actually my youngest brother, Margarito, and um, about four years ago, well, after Miss O'Keefe died, the vegetable garden really didn't didn't belong to anyone, and so after a while, it stopped growing and a beautiful lawn was formed uh, from the wild seeds that came in with the irrigation system because mm. the trees were still getting irrigated. And then the Georgia O'Keeffe Foundation decided uh, when they opened the house to the public that they should be aware that Georgia O'Keeffe had a wonderful vegetable garden that was associated with her house and was used by her. And so a small sample on one of the rectangular plots was rebuilt. Mm. And for the longest time, we only had that one side mm -hmm. as a sampling of what had been here right. when she was alive. And then four years ago, the Georgia O'Keeffe Museum director, Robert Kret, decided that it was time to bring the garden back to life. Yay, Robert. Yes. And uh, working with the Santa Fe Botanical Garden, the idea came about to open up both spaces, bring back many of the things that Miss O'Keefe had planted, and a project was started that actually included student interns. Oh. And uh, we worked closely with the garden the first year, and now they uh, do wonderful consulting work with us. And uh, it's been four years. The project started with a uh, one high school, a local high school from uh, Mesa Vista in Ojo Caliente, not too far from here. And we had young men and women come and work with a, an adult supervisor. They planted the garden. 
and it's been fantastic ever since. Uh, the students learn not just to work the garden uh, and, and includes historic gardening, but they are introduced to new plants, they're introduced to new vegetables, uh, some that they've never tried before. Mm. They're introduced to Georgia O'Keeffe, so, who, to whom many have never heard of before either, or her art. Uh, one of our uh, first field trips is to the museum and to the botanical gardens. Nice. So there's an understanding. But we bring guest speakers in different fields, not just that relate to gardening, but nutrition and uh, many aspects of life within a garden system. So do students have to apply and how are they chosen? And then what what is the span of that internship? Uh, we, the, we do go visit uh, different schools and contact counselors and other school staff uh, to hand out applications to schools. Um, in the local area, we work with uh, Ojo Caliente in, in uh, the Mesa Vista uh, school system, uh, Española schools. Mm -hmm. um, and these are high school students, uh, mostly juniors and seniors in high school. And um, we've contacted other local schools as well. And the kids fill out an application as to why they're interested in coming to work in Abiquiu. Uh, this last year, we got some kids that were actually local from Abiquiu coming out of Española Valley High School. But we also get kids from around other areas. Some have worked with grandparents or parents in their own gardens. Yeah. Some have never worked a garden before in their lives. So it's a fantastic experience. And they're selected um, mostly in base of their interest yeah. and their ability to come and work. They only do two days a week, uh, Wednesdays and Fridays usually, because we irrigate on Mondays and the gardens are too wet on Tuesdays to work in them. Uh, but they find it fantastic. Yeah. We have many kids that have been coming now for an, a year or two and yeah. some that are interested in coming more or sending younger siblings to come here because they have found the experience really wonderful. Uh, we had a group of students uh, the first year that had never tasted kale. <laughs> they were taught how to make kale chips. Uh, we couldn't grow enough kale for them <laughs> to take home and, and make kale chips. This last year, we uh, this summer, we had a group of students that didn't like um, eggplant. And so they were introduced to eggplant in a ratatouille dish. And they loved it. Yeah. So that is is an educational factor that actually works with Georgia O'Keeffe. Yeah. We sometimes forget that she wasn't just a wonderful artist, but she was an educator. She was a teacher. Yeah. And so that follows suit into her life uh, as an educator. Well, and she was uh, a very staunch, I think is probably a good word from what I understand, um, proponent of healthy living and of good food. She, there's a wonderful cookbook of her, you know, her recipes and, and the way she made things. And 
she believed in fresh herbs and teas and so it feels like she would be very pleased to be passing some of those not just techniques but values on to another generation of people oh definitely i think yeah. she she would be a hundred percent pleased that something like that is still being done with with the garden yeah. we also provide um fresh fruits and vegetables to food banks in the local area and in Santa Fe so that nothing goes to waste. I think that she would also have been in favor of. But definitely working with students and uh, showing them about nutrition and growing things in, in a natural way would be something she'd be very pleased with. Yeah. How old were you when you first came to work here? I was 20 years old. And you have been here for your entire career, and you seem to have a strong attachment to the garden as well, you and your family. Are you a gardener? I I garden a little bit. Um, I'm not an avid gardener, as I wish I could be, but... uh, it is. It's something that's of interest to me, especially here at the house, because it's part of the history. Yeah. And we hope that the intern project for the students continues into the future, because it not only brings a connection uh, to the lifestyle Ms. O'Keefe had in relation to her gardens and nutrition and fresh fruits and vegetables, but it's a connection to the local communities and the local people and knowing what's behind the wall. It's, uh, Miss O'Keefe was a very private person and didn't have too many people coming over, but this opportunity is great. One thing we do for these students and their families is at the end of the season, we call what we have a harvest dinner. And everything that's served to these families and friends of these students are things that grew in the garden. And they come and and the students can go and show their parents or grandparents what they've done all summer. And they proudly do so, which is really fantastic to see. Because when they start, they're a little unsure of what they're doing. But by the time they end, they're so excited. They want to show everybody what they've done. That's so great. And it really, I think, um, the properties, but the gardens as much as anything, and the kitchen maybe, really maintains an understanding of Georgia O'Keeffe as a three-dimensional woman and artist, not just her artistry. Exactly. She was a woman of varied interests, uh, varied... um, talents and um, a woman ahead of her time is something that's used a lot but it is so true Uh, she loved innovations but not just for innovation's sake but something that would be handy we do tours of her home here in abiquiu seasonally from march to november and one of the things that comes up is um she has this old-fashioned ice crusher in her pantry because she had a wonderful tea that she would make in the summer with raspberries and mint tea, and it went over crushed ice. 
I think she would love today's refrigerators <laughs> where you can just get crushed ice crushed out ice. of the door. <laughs> Those type of innovations that were useful yeah. were something that she would really enjoy. Which is why she is the mother of modernism, right? <laughs> exactly, yes, yes. exactly. Aesthetically pure, but uh, efficient. So Exactly. And I, I think that uh, what the museum is doing with her house and uh, her grounds, uh, both here and uh, eventually to come at Ghost Ranch, is something that uh, she would be very pleased with. Yeah, a strong cultural legacy. What is your favorite place in the Abiquiu Garden, Pita? I think my favorite place is the vegetable garden area mm -hmm. because it does bring back great memories of not just picking up things to cook for her and, uh, you know, doing uh, the different lettuces, but it's, it's a sense of her, yeah. a sense of her place. Is there anything else you would like to add? You know, she was not a spiritual person. Uh, I mean, I would say she was not a religious person. Yes. But she was very spiritual. And you feel it within her exterior spaces. You do. Her patios, her garden, uh, you know, the landscape at the ranch, her backyard, her front yard. All these spaces are so spiritual. Thank you so much for maintaining this huge cultural legacy. And um, it's just so wonderful to think of your grandfather and you and your brother um, being part of the history of the gardens. And thank you very much for speaking with us today. It is my pleasure. And I hope that uh, everyone gets to learn a little bit more about Georgia O'Keeffe and, and her legacy. Agapita Judy Lopez, or PETA as she is known, is the Director of Historic Properties for the Georgia O'Keeffe Museum in Santa Fe. The museum consists of the museum itself in Santa Fe, New Mexico, as well as O'Keeffe's two residences north of Santa Fe, her house at Ghost Ranch and her home and garden in Abiquiu, New Mexico. The homes and their outdoor spaces, both cultivated and wild, were integral to Georgia O'Keeffe's groundbreaking artwork, her own physical and mental well-being, to her very sense of self. O'Keeffe's artwork is known for its stunning close-up to the point of almost being colorful abstraction, studies of flowers and their inner workings and parts, as well as of the red clay mountains, sagebrush, and choya-spotted hillsides and wide-open blue skies of New Mexico. This included aspects of its ancient cultural iconography. Georgia O'Keeffe's garden spaces, a well-loved and productive vegetable and cutting flower garden of almost an acre, an orchard, and simple but moving contemplative interior patios, each with just one or two very carefully chosen and tended plants, were part and parcel of who she was as a person, as a woman, and as an artist of global importance. A new year is one of those thresholds where we're more inclined than ever to pause and take stock about where we've been, about where we hope to go. I think back on the second year of Cultivating Place, and I think, 
how do I want to end this year of exploring and celebrating our human impulse to garden, how it connects us and grounds us to the planet beneath our feet and the communities around us, both plant and animal and human. How this impulse offers us daily access to the inner sanctums of our own minds and hearts. And I decided I wanted to end 2017 on something of a visionary note, one connecting us to the past and firmly looking toward a future in which every garden and gardener, nature lover and naturalist move the needle of our world into a place of greater awareness intentional action, and deeper connection. Because that's the power and meaning of these things for us. Now, don't get me wrong. I find every gardener, every garden designer or landscape architect, every flower farmer and floral designer, every garden-to-table chef, school garden administrator, every garden writer or nature advocate to be a visionary, an activist. Every one of you manifests hope and positive action. But I wanted to sum up 2017 and open the gates to 2018 with a garden and gardener and garden practice illustrating how simultaneously very simple and beautifully complex this impulse to garden is and how it's among the most valuable of things we offer to the future. I wanted to both end and begin again by celebrating that this impulse of ours is inextricably intertwined with our greatest passions. It's feeding our bodies and spirits. It's enriching our environmental and human communities. It's helping to grow a greater world. Join us again next week as the conversations continue on the many ways people engage in and grow from the cultivation of their places. Thank you for listening. Cultivating Place is a co-production of North State Public Radio. The program is made possible in part by the Stanley Smith Horticultural Trust. Our producer is Sarah Bohannon. Our communications coordinator is Casey Gardner. Original theme music is by Matt Schiltz. Cultivating Place is distributed nationally by PRX, Public Radio Exchange. Until next week, a very happy new year to you and your gardens and natural spaces. May you enjoy the caring cultivation of these places all year long. I'm Jennifer Jewell.